Hello there once again here on the old Driving You Crazy podcast where we talk about what's driving you crazy when it comes to driving and transportation and roads and basically anything that gets you from here to over there. Yes. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News every weekday morning from 4.30 till 9. Well, I guess I'm technically all the time, but anyway, that's the time we're on the TV my name is Jason Luber. I am pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters, never on TV, always in your ears on this podcast. Ran a half marathon over the weekend. You did? I did. All roads closed down from Evergreen to Morris, and they had them down to one lane, and you just followed the roads. I have no idea what roads they were, but they were gorgeous, man. You actually ran the whole time? Yeah. Really? Under two hours for this half marathon, man, which is not much to some of you professional runners now, out how there. How long is it? Is, is it? How far is that? Thirteen miles. Thirteen miles in two hours. Yes. So that's average what six and a half miles an hour? Uh, if you yeah. did it in two hours, that's correct. That's a pretty good pace. I was because very I, proud I, of myself. I usually walk at about three and a half miles an hour do you notice which is a pretty good walk i don't know if you notice this with google maps they map you as though you're going like 2.7 miles an hour so you always arrive if you're a fast walker like one of these tall guys that does this podcast you get to your destination a little bit faster than google maps predicts Hmm. see i i i had to do when i was going through my um forest service my colorado state forest service um wildfire training classes there was something called a pack test and you have to take a pack, a wildfire backpack, put it on your back, 45 pounds on it, and you have to walk. You cannot run or jog. You have to have at least one foot on the ground the whole time mm. as you're going. And you go three miles, and you have to do it in under 45 minutes. And I did it in like about 42 minutes, and my shins were screaming at me. And some of the firefighters were getting mad because I was beating them. <laughs> here comes some. I was going to say, here comes some uh, press, you know, radio guy. Didn't realize you them. passed the firefighter test, Jason. Yes, I am actually a certified wildland firefighter uh, through the Colorado State Forest Service. Still, how long does that certification last? Uh, probably, it's probably expired okay. at this point. Okay. And could <laughs> I do the pack test now? I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> Follow the Driving You Crazy podcast as we <laughs> do the pack test. <laughs> as I try to relive my glory days. Yeah, right. And the Twitter messages um, from last week have pretty much stopped. Perfect. That's that's good. After the whole street blogs episode. and uh, I, I did receive a couple late ones last week, but they were pretty much in the same vein, calling me bad names, waste of space, that sort of thing. Uh, but I think it's pretty much over. But obviously, the big story of the week here, Joseph, is the shooting of the Uber driver. Yeah, uh, uh, the shooting by the Uber driver. By the Uber driver of his passenger. And the story, as I understand it, is that this Uber driver, he was going south on I-25, our Interstate 25 in the south side of Denver, right near University Boulevard. As he says it, I think, he, he gets attacked, and then he pulls out a gun, shoots the passenger 10 times or so, and the passenger dies. They take him to the hospital, and they pronounce him dead there. And then the driver was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. And that is what piqued my interest. I mean, obviously, the whole story is interesting. However, being charged with first-degree murder, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm no legal expert. However, isn't first-degree reserved really for premeditation? Like, a premeditated, you are thinking about, I want to kill this person, and that's first-degree murder? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, pr- prosecutors usually 
overreach, I would say, in this phase of the game because that you wind up actually pursuing lesser charges. I mean, why later wouldn't it on. be a second degree or a manslaughter I mean, it could or get a, something? You know, something. Or you think that they're starting off high and they're going to plea bargain lower? Well, I think that. I think that this prosecutor thinks that this guy will be willing to take a deal for a, a manslaughter or something like that. And I also think that he's underestimating the Uber driver because I think this Uber driver understands that he has the backing of the Uber community and may think that he can win at a jury trial. And I, I think he might be right. I mean, it would be easy to get a jury to sympathize with them enough to to have reasonable doubt about whether it was self-defense or semi-premeditated. Obviously, the dead person can't tell his side of the story. Um, both people are, are basically leaving the, the passenger who died, leaving a family behind. The Uber driver has a family, I think a couple of kids and a wife, um, in Aurora out there, I think. Correct. And he's been working and going to school. I mean, he seems like a pretty out... Uh, upstanding person. Well, he seems like your average Uber driver who carries a gun for protection for exactly the reason that he may have been acting in self-defense in this case. But don't you think that if you have to have a job where you have to carry a gun, that the job is inherently dangerous and maybe you should be paid a lot more for what that danger is? And I don't think you're actually getting those returns as an Uber driver. So why would you want to be an Uber driver when the returns aren't that great and your life is obviously in possible great danger, danger enough to carry a gun and defend yourself. What I, I mean, this is one case out of however many, right? And I think, you know, some jobs are just going to be low paying even when they carry an inherent level of danger. And, you know, I think these robberies or attempted robberies and stuff make us overthink what danger is, right? Because if you worked at, say, a 7-Eleven or a bank, or one or a liquor store or one of these places, right? I mean, you're at a higher risk, I would say, for being robbed than other people, and you may feel safer carrying a gun, but that's not a requirement of the job. And it's the same thing for an Uber driver. Like, you may feel safer carrying a gun, but it's not a requirement, and it's certainly not and a It's certainty. obviously against their um, bylaws or their regulations or whatever you want to well, call them. Well, that's their problem. Their policy. And they should probably fix that. Well, they're not going to say ever that you're allowed as a driver to carry a gun. They're never going to condone that, mm. ever as a company, because that would make them liable. It's all everything that you see in one of those policies well, or whatever. It's always because of lawyers, and they're always thinking of all the outcomes that could come around. Well, yeah, and it, and I mean, it doesn't matter how you write your policy; you're still going to be liable. Like somebody's still going to pursue the case; they're still going to try to get the money out of the company. And do you think the victim in this case, the passenger, is going to go after Uber, the family? Oh, certainly. But I I think we're never going to, to your point, know the circumstances of the case well enough. Right. I mean, what can we? I know there are forensics and things like that, but at a certain point, the only person who survived this is the driver. We, we're pretty sure he did not have a dash cam pointing back right. at him. What do we know? Exactly. We, we, and the only other witness was somebody that was driving along uh, this ramp coming from university to get on to I-25, who stopped because he saw this car crash into the wall after the shooting happened and yep. and he wasn't really dry you know paying attention to driving anymore and then that person helped call 911 and get the police out there well and here's the evidence that we both need to keep an eye out for you want to look at how the gunshot 
went in and came out, right? Because it could indicate some sort of a struggle beforehand. If this passenger is on top of the guy and is shot from that angle, that's a different story than if it's like a bullet to the head. Or if there's forensics with maybe gunshot residue on the passenger's hand. Yes, but what, and what I'm most interested in is cell phone records, right? Because you figure this guy must have texted somebody in the immediate aftermath, and what was his demeanor like in that in those moments? We'll find that out oh, yeah. in the way that we won't find out a phone call or a dash cam. There is there there are some strange goings on here, and so I'm sure all this will be coming out. It's going to be interesting to follow it. We'll follow it here on the podcast, but this is one that's definitely. We're going to follow it as the newsroom and also follow it on the podcast. Yes. Uh, another big story is the, now that the uh, Colorado governor signed this big legislation, this this uh, monster transportation bill that allows for a lot more money to be poured into our state transportation system, the federal government has now uh, sent some money our way as well to do some highway widening projects and some express toll projects. I was going and to say, express toll projects. I, exactly. And you know, the thing that bugs me about this most of all is this widening project south of Denver between this town called Castle Rock and all the way down to Colorado Springs. So in order to get the money to widen the highway, the plan was to do this express lane where you can pay the toll to use the lane if or if you have three or people. And, and it depends. I, I don't think they're going to let the three HOV people. I think it's going to be a toll lane like the one on C-470 all the time. Mm-hmm. Anyhow... Uh, the only the condition for the federal grant of like ninety million dollars to come to that project was it had to be a toll lane. It could not be a free general purpose. Everybody can use it for no money lane. Do we have any indication if there's a sunset on the toll lane, like with some of the other ones around Colorado? No, I haven't seen the final workings okay. on that. Um, but you know, and, and then the plenary roads people who manage the I twenty five one up north and Highway thirty six, they want. To uh, have the uh, toll, right now we have, we talked about this. We talked about the tolls in some parts of the country that have no cap on how high they can go. They want to remove our cap. They want to be able to go as high as we can go. Good. They want to see $50 uh, toll uh, lane prices. Right. Your tax dollars paid for a $50 toll lane. There you go. Good work, Colorado. You know, it's just just so annoying. Anyway, and uh, the other big story here around town is that we still have a problem with peacocks on the loose no yes yes i think there are still two out there unaccounted for i think there's one the other one might have died well one definitely did die yep uh at least here in town i think there there were two that were last reported on the loose really one might have come back okay they say but they because they it's not like they have name tags like hi i'm stan the peacock (laughs) you think peacocks they don't they don't they don't don't have that they don't, they don't have the little pin with their badge on it that says, Hi, my name is Stan. So eight of the peacocks that just roam around the Denver Zoo got loose because they don't really corral it. I mean, they just, they, they're just, they just walk around the zoo, and they can fly. People don't think peacocks can fly. They, they, they don't really fly like a duck or a, or a goose fly long distance, but they can fly well, and up when, into the tree. When you hear about other animals escaping, it's one of them. It's one tiger. It's one lion. But these peacocks were moving as a group, man. Yes. This is why everybody should be terrified of birds, because it's not one bird attacking you. It's ten birds attacking you. And that means it could have been a bachelor party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but one of the, uh, one of the <laughs> participants yes. was hit and killed on a road right near the zoo. Um, that and happens this is, at every good bachelor party. Yeah, it does. It, you're right. I mean, you've seen The Bachelor. But this is not an isolated incident, which is really strange because 
there were four peacocks that wandered out of the Philadelphia Zoo, and one of them was hit and killed on the interstate right near the zoo. Mm. And police had to close lanes of traffic to investigate it, to clean it up, and they caused a huge, I guess, traffic jam in Philadelphia for miles and miles and miles. Mm. Now, I've heard from the staff at both zoos and that these birds, sometimes they venture past the gates, but, but normally they just come on back on their own. They apparently have some kind of homing sense, like a pigeon, and they say it's unusual for them to travel very far outside the zoo. Mm, interesting. Now, zoo officials have asked people not to approach a peacock if they see it on the loose, because they may be nervous being out of their normal environment. I don't think it's actually safe approaching them even in their normal environment. Have you, see, have you actually seen those things at the zoo? They, they're feisty. Yes. They're, they're, they're loud. No, I'm, I'm good. I they don't... make this horn-like sound. Have we talked about this? I don't no. like birds. It, it's quite disturbing. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, no birds at all? No, no birds at all. Hummingbirds? Uh, our, our old producer, Brittany, had birds. I don't understand oh, how you live like that. Oh, my wife loves the hummingbirds. Get out of oh, here. Oh, we have the hummingbird feeder. We have little plants in the backyard. I don't mind that, and I don't mind listening to birds. I just don't want them anywhere near me. Yeah. <sighs> Peacock's on the loose. <laughs> if there was a bounty, I'd go out looking for it. So, Joseph, I have three stories of flights that had to land early because of bad passengers. Are we doing the another power ranking? It's kind of that way, yes. Yes. Okay. However, I think these are in a well, anyway, I'll I'll, I'll go through these and and you and you decide which is worse. All right. A Delta flight from Portland, Oregon to Atlanta was diverted to Tulsa after a passenger was singing and dancing in his seat. The flight crew reported a disturbance with a passenger and requested law enforcement help. One passenger said the man was singing and dancing in his seat and ignoring flight attendants' orders to quiet down. He refused to stop even when approached by multiple flight attendants, so the pilot made an emergency landing. Delta said the unruly male passenger was detained by airport police and questioned by the FBI. Don't we think they're underselling it if they just say he was singing and dancing? He must have been doing a lot more than just singing and dancing to cause an emergency landing. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And he was probably drinking. Story number two. A Southwest flight made an emergency landing at San Jose International Airport due to passengers smoking in the bathroom. The flight was going from San Francisco to Los Angeles when the pilot reported a mechanical difficulty. Air quotes there. The (laughs) difficulty Southwest explained in a statement was a passenger who appeared to be smoking in the lavatory. The airline said it turned uh, the alleged smoker over to authorities. So I guess those smoke detectors really do work. Well, he's an alleged smoker, so it's entirely possible that the smoke detectors did not work and that he was not smoking on the plane, first of all. Second of all... Really? I, I mean, Well, I guess you're not. right. Allegedly, I guess it's all <laughs> alleged. Second of all, uh, everybody out there should check out George Carlin... Because he did a whole bit about how to smoke on an airplane without getting caught. He did? He did. How, how did he explain that? I uh, love George Carlin. It's something about you using the uh, drain as a vacuum to take the smoke oh, out. Oh, I got you. Yep. Perfect. I got you. Yeah. He's also the one that says you get in the plane, not on the plane. God bless him. If you get, if you get on the plane, then it's going to be quite windy out there. You want to get inside the plane. Uh, all right. Here's story number three. A Transylvania Airlines flight was diverted to Faro. That's not Fargo, North Dakota. This is Faro, Portugal. Okay. After a man's body odor caused passengers to vomit. Get 
The flight Get from Gran Canaria, Carnaria, Carnaria. Anyway, it's a little island that's off the coast of Africa. It belongs to Spain. So they were flying from there to Amsterdam, and it diverted to Faro, that's in Portugal, after a crew tried to quarantine the man into the lavatory. <laughs> Travelers became distressed by the stench of the man who, quote, smelt like he hadn't washed in weeks, unquote. One of the passengers on board the plane described the stench of the man as unbearable. The man smelt so bad, other passengers started to faint and vomit as the flight took off. I don't think smelt is a word. I think it's a fish. Uh, the crew tried to quarantine that man in a bathroom before the pilots were forced to divert the flight. And once they landed, the foul-smelling man was removed. It's probably as early as they could land because they have this island out there. And then they It's not they him fortune. that's funny about this story. It's the reaction of the person vomiting that's funny. <laughs> like, the vomit is much funnier than any other part of that. But you had him ranked correctly. I yes. mean, I think singing and dancing, number three, smoker, number two, and uh, the smelly rancid guy. man, number one. Yeah, rancid yeah. man, number one. And I always tell, ask my little girl, Jolene, my six-year-old, I said, Jolene, how do you spell uh, barf? And she goes, P-U-K-E, pukey. I'm like, okay. I just want you to know I'm thrilled that we're doing a vomit portion of the podcast today. Which- <laughs> I also want to tell you that after the ha- after this half marathon, we took a bus back to the parking area, Bandamere Speedway, and <laughs> outside of the bus parking, this woman was, I mean, just vomiting her brains out, man. It was all liquid. Just power puking over and over again into the ground. Was she and a runner? She was a runner. We had finished the race. We're back at the parking area, and she's just puking, and everybody on this bus is watching her, and we're all laughing about it. And, like, that's – I know I don't know if that's a bad reaction to vomit or not. That's just how I feel when I see it. Puking is kind of funny. And, like, Survivor and Fear Factor and it, shows yeah. like that. I can watch most of the vomiting <laughs> segments on those. Well, Singapore Airlines uh, say they're going to have the world's longest commercial flight soon. Starting in October, a nearly 19-hour nonstop journey from Singapore to New York. The 8,200-nautical-mile flight from Singapore to Newark will eclipse the 7,843-nautical-mile flight from Qatar Airways that they fly from Doha to Auckland. That's right now the world's longest nonstop flight. Now, airlines including Singapore's, uh, Singapore Airlines, Australia's Qantas, and United are adding ultra-long flights that can charge an ultra-premium fare of about 20% more than regular fares versus, you know, having those those stop flights that you have to stop maybe along the way. Now, Qantas said it's considering a nonstop from Sydney to London starting in 2022. That would be about 1,000 miles longer than this other flight between New York and Singapore. Singapore Airlines also plans to introduce nonstop flights from Singapore to Los Angeles, and they can do this because Airbus has this new airplane mm-hmm. that they say is really good at going long distances, um, really fuel efficient, and uh, and can and can fly that that far. What's fascinating about this to me, I mean, Australia is a gem, right? Like it's it's one of the greatest countries on earth. And it's so hard to get there, and you would you would understand why the the country's national carriers 
would be pursuing these long haul flights and trying to introduce more of them because that's how they're going to expand their reach. They're not like a Denver where you have all these American cities that you can gain access to. To get to Australia, like you're going to fly a long way. And if you want an easy way to get there from, say, New York City or Boston or any of these cities in America, you're going to have to pursue flights that are longer than just your typical American puddle jumpers. And see, it's easier when you're going from, let's say, New York or somewhere in the North American area, let's say the East Coast somewhere, to, let's say, Japan, because you're actually going mostly almost over the North Pole. Yeah. You're going that way. Yeah. But to get around to Australia, you have to go all the way around the wide part of the globe. So you have to. So people think of it just going like you're driving, you're going all flat. Well, obviously, there's a curve to the Earth, yep. and you have to deal with the curve. Um, and so it can make for those longer flights. Now, they can use the curve to their advantage for some flights, but not for the ones going down to Australia. God, what a terrifying thing to think about, like just the, the flying around the curve of the Earth from oh, yeah. New York to Australia. And then going over the international dateline and all that. I mean, that's got to mess up your body. I mean, you're on a plane. How do you deal with being on a plane for for 19 or 20 hours? Well, you can do it the slow way and take a boat. Yeah, I'd do that. Okay. In a big time. Follow the Driving You Crazy podcast as we boat around (laughs) the world. And from time to time, uh, the DOT, like here in Colorado and in other states, they put up these messages on their overhead boards that are pretty funny. Like one example is uh, get your head out of your apps. A-P-P-S. I got it. So what they want to do is they want to make their point about driving safely, and they want to do it in a humorous way. So in Maine, the DOT there asked for residents to submit traffic or driving safety messages that could potentially go up on their overhead boards. And so now they have unveiled some of the winners of their highway message board contest. There were almost 2,000 submissions. Only six were picked. Here are the top six answers. All right. Number one, spend money on lobsters, not speeding tickets. And yes, it really, it's spelled L-O-B-S-T-A-H-S, lobsters. That's so Maine. Ugh. Is that how they, because I, I, no, I know they talk they, like a Boston, that's what I would think a Bostonian would say. That They're right Why don't you give it, because you're, you know, you're from that part a of the lobsters. world. lobsters. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. And you'll have to do this, because the next one is, how about a cold supper? is better oh than a God. hot ticket. <laughs> All right, you do that one. A cold supper is better than a hot ticket. That's Maine. <laughs> okay. And really, it's it's spelled that way. Supper and better. All right, here's number three. Put down your cell or you may end up in one. See, that's a little aggressive. We're ta- we go from talking about lobsters and suppers and now cells. You're going to jail because like- <laughs> you have your cell phone with you. Here's the next one. Little known fact, snow is really slippery. That one's way too sarcastic to be funny. Disagree. You like that one? Colorado should use that one. I like that. All right. How about this one? Be protected, not projected. Buckle up. Too complicated. Too complicated? Bad play on words. Not a fan. (laughs) And the last one that was picked by Maine's DOT, keep in mind, moose eyes don't shine. I didn't know. Is that a real thing? Do moose eyes eyes not shine? Uh, Apparently not. I didn't know that. Winners got prizes like passes to Maine's state parks, tickets to the Penobscot, Narrows Bridge, and uh, (laughs) uh, how do you say that again? Penobscot. Okay. You've been there? 
I I haven't been. Or to, you just know about the bridge. So I know Maine. I haven't been to all the towns in Maine like I have to with Vermont, New Hampshire. But I I mean Maine's got all those fun in North uh, Native American names for it, their towns. You know, and it's kind of like I've been listening a lot to the Hawaii volcano deal. Okay. And all the names of when you when you're watching the reporters from Hawaii speak in Hawaiian with all the pron- real pronunciations, not us mainlanders trying to sp- <laughs> pronounce those Hawaiian names. And they're good. There's no way I could ever do this job there. Okay. Ever. Ever. Anyway, they won a bunch of prizes, got their own personalized street sign. I want to look over the others that weren't picked because I'm confident there were some real gems in there. I would agree with that. Probably some things that are much more inappropriate, too. Oh, yeah. At least that, I would hope that would so. be fantastic. There always are killjoys in stories like this. One guy said, gimmicks are fun, but could the MDOT please keep these signs for just an emergency information? They say that a text will take your eyes off the road long enough to travel the length of a football field. These are often times two screens, big screens, just to find out it's useless information. Sort of looks like the cause of distracted driving. I'd like the info that there is an accident ahead to slow down, not that something is wishing me a happy holiday. Well, people are like that. Why? Like, why? Because people are killjoys. Because people are people. That's why. What a sad life, commenting on the Maine Department of Transportation Facebook page. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's that's terrible, man. What else do you have to do in Maine except find some lobsters? The lobsters there are cheap. If they had lobsters for the same price in Denver that they do in Maine, oh my goodness. I'd be good in the neighborhood. That's why we have steak out here. That's true. (laughs) Coming up. Get the ticket for eating breakfast in the wrong spot. That and so much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I'm Lisa Hidalgo, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. You know, if they're if they're a breaking news junkie and they like to see um, reality and watch a family on TV and not something boring that's going to put you to sleep. I would say tune in to Channel 7. I mean, we're the first ones on breaking news. Uh, we have a very accurate weather forecast. We have very good traffic information from you. Uh, we have good anchors that work well together. And by watching it and, and getting to know everybody on air, it, you feel like you're part of the family. Daryl Orr, only on Denver 7. My favorite person to work with on the morning show. I mean, I like every... You can't do that to me. I just did. I like everybody for different reasons. I have to say that Lisa and I have definitely formed a really fun bond. Of course, you know, anything with Lisa is highly entertaining. Uh, If you've ever ridden with her in a car, it's slightly terrifying. I think the first time I went to Core Power with her, she was telling me how she had gotten in an accident. And then coincidentally, as she was parking, she got in another accident (laughs) as we were outside of Core Power. So um, we have gotten to know each other really well and definitely formed a great friendship. Molly Hendrickson, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast with me, Jason, him, Joseph, and we've been talking Maine, New Hampshire, and lobsters. Lobsters. I haven't hit New Hampshire, Vermont, or Maine. Well, I mean, there's not much to see in New Hampshire, but Vermont and Maine are great. Rent a very nice car 
and just drive up like the coast of Maine, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts, and just like hit all of the beach towns. It's perfect. <laughs> but the water's cold, right? Uh, it like depends on where water? you are. Like, there's a little pocket there, so it's warmer in some places than others. Love the lobsters. Cheap lobsters. Got to fly out to Maine, man. Yeah, I, I, I never really got to the lobster thing. I, I can't say lobster because it just it, it's it's not part of my culture. Well, it's a Colorado thing, and I was going to bring this up before the break, but you said steak, and steak is the lobster of Colorado. Yes, it is. We have lots and lots of steak out here. That's because it's ranching country. Yes, sir. There you go. Everyone knows what it's like to wake up late for work, right? Forced to choose between a half-assed breakfast during the commute or just skip the meal entirely. Well, one brave Australian woman chose to reject that false dichotomy, opting instead to enjoy a lovely bowl of cereal behind the wheel of her car. The problem for her is that the law has come to punish her for her innovative thinking. Now, according to the report, some snitch, known only as Matt... Of course, a guy named Matt would Matt. snitch. Thanks, Matt. Spotted a woman in a gray Hyundai driving erratically. Though he assumed she was texting, it became clear as he pulled up alongside that the woman behind the wheel was actually up to something far more bizarre. She was balancing a bowl of cereal with one hand while spooning her breakfast in her mouth with the other and steering with her legs. I can do that. Well, and that's the funny thing is that if you've ever met somebody who does that, they always say, "Oh yeah, I do it all the time." It's yeah, fine. That's fine. No problem. And you're watching them drive with their knee, and you're like, "I mean, you're not fine." Like, oh yeah, no, fine, we're fine. But you're not fine. Oh no, my my little girl says, "Daddy, are you driving with your knees?" Yeah, sure am. No problem. That is that is the ultimate fine but not fine <laughs> situation. Well, perplexed by the sight, Matt snapped a photo and sent it to a radio station. Of course, why wouldn't you send it into a radio station? From there, the incident came to the attention of the Western Australia's police commissioner, and he said, you can't be driving a car and eating your brekkie at the same time. Isn't that so Australian? We were just talking about how Australia is a gem, and that's why brekkie. (laughs) He said, on an appearance on the radio station, because they were talking about this woman eating breakfast, so he said, it's just dangerous. He vowed to mobilize police resources and track down that offending driver. And he added, whatever charge we can apportion that driver, we will. This is a serious matter, and we will follow up. It's incomprehensible. It is incomprehensible. Why did you get cereal? There are so many bars, burritos, like other options available to you, and you opted for the the food that is the most difficult to eat while behind the wheel. All right, I'm letting you in on something here. So there are times that, that we've run out of milk at my house, okay? And I love my bowl of cereal in the morning. Love it. Just makes my... So what I do sometimes, it's rare, maybe a couple times a year. Anyhow, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll load up my bowl of cereal with the spoon, and I'll go to the grocery store or the 7-Eleven, whatever's open at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'll get that little uh, quarter, maybe not what, it's a pint or whatever, a pint of milk. And I'll go in there, I'll just buy my little pint of milk at 3 in the morning, dressed in my tie, and I'll sit in the parking lot and I'll eat my cereal. Now, I won't drive and eat the cereal. Well, I mean... I'll, I'm sitting in the parking lot, but I'm still waiting for a policeman to show up and go, what are you doing? Eating cereal in a parking lot at 3 o'clock in the morning? I just want you to know you told this whole story, which does not compare to this woman's situation, because you admit that you're not driving. You're just telling me that you sometimes eat cereal in parking lots at 3 in the morning. <laughs> that is true, <laughs> but my I relate to this woman because I could I, at least I'm I'm stopped. I'm but I'm in the car. I could be driving. 
using the whole leg technique, but I, I decide just to just to park because it's easier L- for me. Let me tell you, I, I, I think you might find it more efficient to open the quart of milk while driving, take a handful of the cereal, put that in the mouth, oh, and just mix and- it right there and then drink the milk. You know what would be even better? If you could take the dry cereal and then take the milk and then pour it into a blender and then blend it all up and then you can drink it on the way. So they they make that. If you're looking for cereal milk, no, that but, is a thing. No, I don't want cereal. I mean, I, I don't want I want to make my own. You know, like the, the, the Hidalgo and, and what's his bucket? Mitch. He's got, um, <laughs> they have these, these whatever they are, these little mixer deals. Yes. Right? Ninjas, right? Is that what it is? I, th- I, I don't sure. know. Okay. So anyway, they put whatever healthy thing they want to put in there, and they take it down to a little blender, and they blend it up, and they're drinking something. Do you know what they put in it? Because I, I'm always looking for new smoothie recipes. No, they have a smoothie. They have the cup, and then they take it down to this blender thing. I don't know what they do. I don't know. I Look, I am not the picture-perfect person of health. Well, and smoothies are not necessarily the most healthy thing in the world. That's why I was asking, because Mitch, I mean, if he's just putting peanut butter and spinach into a blender and mixing it up, that's not, first of all, that's not very good, but it's also not that healthy. And if you're not putting rum in it, then I don't want it. Preach. Well, anyway, police did track down this woman. Mitch she ha- does put rum in his, by the way. <laughs> She's 19 years old, and police charged her with a $300 ticket and placed three demerit points on her license for, quote, driving without due care and attention. That's a thing. Well, good. So let that be a lesson to any of you serial enthusiasts out there who have to drive to work and eat. We should start a GoFundMe for her ticket. Yeah. She shouldn't have to. I mean, like, why are we? Why are we prosecuting this woman? Isn't she being prosecuted? Because in a, it was in a, a court serious, of public of, serious offense. There, she's been publicly humiliated. Yeah, she was, and the police commissioner called the radio station to, to chime in. Terrible. Terrible. Stay home. Eat that bowl of Fruit Loops. Wait to get to eat work em. to eat them. Do not do it while you're driving. And speaking of driving down under, there's something that you'll never hear about: the government lowering fines for something. The city council in Sydney, Australia, is lowering the parking fines in the city. They say it's an attempt to take a simpler and fairer approach to parking fines. And fines are going to be cut by about 25%. So here are some of the parking fines that will be reduced. Parking continuously for longer than permitted. Parking after a meter is expired. Stopping in a restricted parking area. And parking without paying the meter at all. It means the current $110 Australian dollar penalty for those infractions will be reduced to $80. So the city, uh, city of Sydney collects now about $35 million Australian dollars in fines. Okay. That's remarkable to yes. me. That seems like a lot of money. Maybe they're going to just up enforcement. The, maybe they are, but right. they're going to be giving up about $9 million by doing this. Well, they may have done the calculation that they can make up the $9 million by stronger enforcement, too. Maybe. We'll see. I mean, maybe not. Sid- but you never really hear of them always uh, charging less. You always hear them charging more. Well, in a city like Sydney that has, I mean, not exactly inexpensive real estate, it's surprising that they would take this kind of approach. And another interesting story here in, in Metro Denver is the issue with those little scooters that you just can't uh, get away from. There's, there's no issue with the scooters. The scooters are the issue. So there, so they, we've talked about this where we have these companies. <laughs> Happy to talk have, about it again. That have these little scooters. That you just basically pick up and start using, and then you can just leave it wherever. Correct. That's so that, exactly what they are. That's exactly what you're supposed to do with them. 
Now, the city says you can't just leave them lying around wherever you're going. You just you just can't leave them there, and they're going to confiscate them. They've actually confiscated, what, about a half a dozen of them so far. Is that it? That's what they say. Okay. Uh, maybe they don't have people out there just actively looking. If they see one, maybe they'll pick it up. But, but, but wouldn't a better way be having, let's say, a little corral? Like, at the, you know, they have those already those bike deals, right? The the rent the bike thing. Well, so yes, why can't no, they have a little yes corral no. around those bike things? No, so here's the thing: is that if I'm coming here, if I'm just dr- stopping at the Circle Seven, where's the closest corral? It's three blocks away, so that defeats the purpose. I'm trying to get here quicker, and then you're adding a three block. So that's walk the, to the well, isn't that the same thing for the bike deal? Or is it okay to ride the bike longer distances and then leave it at the corral three blocks away and then walk here? Well, you can leave it at whatever corral, but the point is that you're not solving the last mile if you can't take the mode of transportation directly to your destination. Well, and that's so, the same with the bikes. But it, but here's the thing with Uber. It drops you off at where you're going. It doesn't drop you off at a corral three blocks away where all the Uber drivers congregate. And so they're trying to replicate that with these scooters. And so I, I respect that strategy. The problem is that there's just no infrastructure for these scooters. And the infrastructure that they're using, they're damn dangerous on. Yeah. You got idiots untrained on scooters to, on public sidewalks that are barely big enough for two people. What? <laughs> are you, like, what, what world is this? Well, it's the world where people just start throwing scooters well, down on the street and say, that, "Go ahead and use it." But that's what it, exactly. That's where exactly. We live in a happening. world where somebody, where some company can just drop five hundred scooters in the middle of Denver and say, "Have fun, kids." <laughs> exactly. Don't break them. I like how it's another choice. I like how it's a it's an option that you can just pick one up and go. What keeps people from stealing these darn darn things? Uh, money. Does it have like a there's GPS a sh- thing? A, there's in a it? shutdown. Yeah, no. If you because they're not electric, are they? I mean, you actually kick them going, right? Well, no, but there there is a motor in them, and there is a lock on them, right? So they ha- they can lock it down with a brake that prevents you from from using it if you steal it. Well, I don't. I, I've never used one, so well, I don't. So that, I, I but that's what it is. Yeah. All right. But you know, maybe the city needs just to ease up a little bit and figure this out with with this company because it's it's a it's another good option. But it also would run down people like you. Well, that's just it. They do need to figure it out because this is a great option, and I've been really shocked at how many people have been using them. Because you are the pedestrian advocate, not the scooter laying everywhere in the street advocate. I was so ready to be anti these scooters 100%, and after seeing them in action for a couple of weeks, I've come around. I mean, I think it's a really good idea, and I think we need to find a way to make them work in this city. The the problem is, again, infrastructure, and there needs to be some rules printed on these scooters that say you need to be in bike lanes when available. You need to be in the road if there's no side. You know what I mean? Like, just some way to keep them safer than they currently are, because again... Not everybody's going to follow the rules, but you got too many people out here who are like zigzagging on a sidewalk, and there are people trying to get around. Maybe they need to have some little speaker on there. So when you start it up, it actually starts yelling at you instructions and warnings and how to ride the darn thing. You know, I just made all these complaints. It probably says that in the app, right? Like the app probably says you're supposed to ride like this. So are you going to become now the scooter advocate? No. Oh. Uh, Yes. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> yes, maybe, I, but, or you know, no. I'd rather see these scooters laying around than all the homeless camps like down on 23rd. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think what's funny is the people who aren't using them necessarily for transportation, but just because they're fun. Oh, yeah. Like the drunks at the bar who, like, they gather six scooters and they're oh, racing yeah, each like, other. Hey, hold my beer. Watch this. Well, no, and I've heard about a couple, <laughs> like, down on 16th Street, I've heard about a, at least one scooter drag race in the middle oh, of nice. the street. So, I, you know, that's an unintended consequence when you have as many bars as you have in this city that somebody's going to do something wrong at some point. That's perfect. Well, do you know anybody who actually likes their driver's license picture on their driver's license? I don't uh, like mine. Maybe. I'm not very fan of it. It's it's okay. Not I still great. have long hair in mine, like long hair in mine. I've seen people that actually, what they'll do is they'll change their appearance just for their driver's license picture. But if you were able to, let's say, take another one, if you didn't like the first one, wouldn't that be all right? To have like a couple shots at it? You should have a headshot person well, at the DMV. Well, listen to this. There's a state legislator in California who wants to offer drivers a second shot at getting uh, the photo just right. What he's done is introduced a bill that will allow drivers to take multiple photos at their DMV if they didn't like the first one. But if they want to take more than the one, they'll have to pay a fee to do that. Genius. Right there. Genius. Also, it will allow drivers to get a photo taken off-site, and then you can give that photo to the DMV like you would when you get your passport, right? Uh, And then you can have that put on your license. And again, it would cost you a fee. And that fee, all that money that would be collected, would actually go to driver's education classes in um, like secondary schools for the kids, for like all those high schools that have lost driver's ed. I took driver's ed when I was in high school, but a lot of those schools have canceled driver's ed because it costs too much money to operate those programs. So that's where this money would go to. Eh, I don't care where the money's going. I just want to be able to pick my picture for my driver's license. It could be a little dangerous though, right? Well, I think it's an excuse for the photographer of the DMV to, like, slip the finger the first time. <laughs> and then you look at the picture, and you're like, oh, my God, I need another one of these. And they're like, well, that's going to cost you $50, sir. Cha-ching. S- sorry about that. Well, and Delaware might have a better plan to solve the issue. Oh, good. They want to be the first state to use digital driver's licenses. So Dumb. the Delaware Dumb. Division of Motor Vehicles, they have launched this mobile driver's license pilot study. It's running for about six months. And it's going to include about 200 state employees. Now, these electronic licenses will have enhanced privacy for age verification. So, really, they say there's no need to show your uh, address uh, on your your license when you're showing what your age is, if you're trying to get to a bar or or whatever the case may be. The license will also allow the law enforcement to ping your driver's smartphone. So, if you're driving and your electronic license is on your phone, the officer, let's say he pulls you over, will be able to ping your smartphone and request the driver's license information before even getting out of their vehicle to walk up to you and ask you, can I see your license and registration, please? That is a touch creepy. I mean, we're one step away from, oh, California wants to offer you the opportunity to implant your license into your hand. Yeah. They'll just scan it when they come by to pull you over. The mobile driver's license is accessed through an app on your smartphone. And they say it would be accessible, though, by only the license holder. It's open and unlocked by entering a PIN, or it could be done by the facial recognition, that sort of thing. Same thing, it's on your phone. I I like it except for the part where the police can read it before they come see me. Not, not that I'm doing anything wrong, but it just pokes me the wrong way. But that is the whole point, right, is to make it easier for cops to track down your information. And realistically, are any of the state employees in this pilot study ever going to have to pull out their license for any reason? Probably not. You know, I mean, we're not seeing this thing in practice yet. Imagine when, that, when those licenses are attached to 
you know, your garden variety criminals. I, now, I have a copy on my phone. Now, what I've done is just taken a picture of it. So I have a picture. I have a file, a folder on my phone um, because I have this app that says business card app. Okay. And so it takes pictures of business cards and puts all the information in, in the app, right? Well, you can also just take a picture of something like a driver's license or whatever. And instead of putting the information like you would on a from a business card, you can just hold the picture. So it's kind of hidden. It's not like you're just looking through my pictures and there's my driver's license. Okay. But I have pictures. Of, I have my driver's license, Gina's. I have my kids' passports, my passport stuff. So in case we're out and, and, we're, and whatever and you need that information, at least you have it. Yep. Um, uh, it's actually come in handy a couple of times to have that information. Okay. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of there, but not quite there all the way. No, this is to- this is. I mean, this is an app on your phone that replaces your driver's license, and like I, none, nothing about that makes me feel comfortable. You and know, from- it's it's the difference between like why you feel more comfortable hoarding cash in a safe in your house versus keeping it in a bank account, right? Because right. you know the cash is there, but the bank account could just vanish one day, and what are you going to do about it? It's like all those bitcoins I have, <laughs> Ripple coins. Ripple coins, kin coins. So you, did you get Did you get bacon coins? No, I don't have bacon. I have okay. um, kin, ripple, uh, Ethereum. I think I have Bitcoin Cash. Mm. Anyway, our Bitcoin podcast coming shortly. <laughs> and from driver's licenses and bitcoins to license plates, because they pretty much stayed the same since they were invented. I mean, they're basically just metal things. Yep. You know, s- stamped letters in them. You stick the registration sticker in the corner, and, and that's pretty much it. Well, there's a new idea out there to make the license plate electronic as well. The city of Sacramento is trying one out, the new digital display. It's basically a board. It looks like a license plate right now, but it allows for changeable messages that can be controlled by the driver or can be controlled remotely by, let's say, a fleet manager. And the so new for pl- a taxi, right? Or well, for like a city? taxi or, yeah, for a city or, let's say, like this, like for us, if we have all of our license plates um, yeah. for a fleet. Well, and you don't need a front plate in Cali, right? I mean, the, Yeah, you do. You do. Okay. Yeah, you do. But this would be, I think, for the front. I don't know if it's for the front and back. Definitely for one, one side of the plates. And it's um, a computer technology, basically, that's being used that's similar to those Kindle ebook readers. Okay. And they come with their own computer chips and their own battery. And if you choose to buy one of these plates, you register your vehicle electronically. And so you don't even really need to go to the DMV. And you don't even have to stick the plates on the or stick any stickers on the plates because it's all electronic right there. They also might be able to display personal messages, which is kind of cool, if the DMV ever allowed to do that. So wouldn't that be a cool way to... Hey, back off my my butt while you're driving too close to me. Or yes, you know, I, hey, I got a flat tire, so move over a lane. Or my vision for this is that like you would be able to purchase different skins for your license plate, right? So instead of selling you one vanity plate, now they can sell you fifteen vanity plates, and you can collect all the vanity plates and cycle through them, and they can make a fortune off of you. And here's one interesting way they say they can use the plates: if the car is stolen, the plate can tell the owner. And the police exactly where the car is, and the plate can flash a message that says stolen, so other drivers that see it know to call police. Because the first thing the guy is going to do is not take the plate off. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh my God, there's an iPad that's telling everybody this car is stolen. Yeah, leave it. Why not? So, Sacramento, the city there, they took a shipment of 24 of these plates for its in house vehicle fleet. Now, these, these plates are a little bit more expensive, obviously, than a regular license plate. They, they, they're sold for $700. And 
And if you were going to buy, if it, let's say it goes everywhere, you would get them from a dealership for seven hundred bucks, and then you have to get it installed. I guess it, you just—I don't know oh, if you installed the same be an way. Installation fee too. I'm oh sure. yeah, there is. And then there's a monthly fee of seven bucks. Get out of here! Of course, a everything. monthly fee for a license. That's plate? what our life has turned into. Are monthly you kidding fees. me? No, oh, right, are you that's my kidding life? Hitting me. My life is all about monthly fees. Sacramento can get the heck out of here. Now the plates you can't get them uh, right now through the DMV, and some drivers are are wondering if it's going to be a privacy issue. If they if they're going to track you, it sounds like a privacy issue. Yeah. Right. Well, because right now, now for most fleets. You, when you work for like a company like this and you drive a company vehicle, you would give up your right for them to track you. I mean, that, that, that's what they do already with trucks, yep. uh, with a lot of fleet management. They, they already track the where the cars and I mean, they do that with the buses and they do that with, with a lot of fleets already. Yeah, I know. Okay, but so if Sacramento approves this in 2020 and then what, 2023, we learn that Sacramento has been tracking everything to figure out which neighborhoods are the most exciting or something stupid like that. You Maybe. Know, like when you can track people, people track People. But most of the interest in these so far has been from companies with fleets or businesses um, that might want to advertise their business on, let's say, little mini billboards that are always driving around. Really, that's what they would turn into be. So my self-driving car that goes to pick people up and makes money for me, Yep. and it shows them advertising inside the car while I have guests, so that makes money for me. And now there's also a license plate on the outside of my car that I can sell sponsorships for. That's why I I had a problem with that um, courier service, that Quick Deliver, whatever the heck was it, it was Quicksilver, because they wanted me to work there, and I took their driving test. And they they wanted to hire me, but they said I would have to go to a place to get real. I mean, like these uh, the Quicksilver logo, and then this number, whatever stenciled. That wasn't stenciled. I guess it was this uh, these letters that actually were stuck onto the side of the truck, my little pickup truck at the time. And I said, "You're you're crazy because I'm not going to put that on my car all the time." When I'm not working for you all the time, mm-hmm. I can only do it when I'm working for you. Yep. Otherwise, I'm going to charge you. And I told them this. I said. Well, if if you do that, then I'm going to charge you for all the time that I'm driving off of work because it'll be advertising for you, and I'll charge you that advertising money. And they and and this is it's just somebody was the manager person, whatever, staring back at me, just blinking. Couldn't believe that you weren't excited to put the Quicksilver logo on the side. <laughs> no, just car. blinking at me. What? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, look, I'm because I'm sure nobody else had the uh, to uh, to to say that to him. You're one of a kind, man. <laughs> You're not kidding. Well, that's about it for the podcast this week. Thanks for being here. If you want to reach out, you can always get us on uh, on the Twitter or on the Facebook or the whatevers, yep. all that kind of stuff. Yep. It, you know, and then give us a, a, a review on the iTunes. Check us out on the fa- on the YouTube. I have a YouTube link now that go to the podcast. Well, at least most of them, some of them. A few it's of them. too long. <laughs> it's handful. Man, it's it's. I started about episode seventy or whatever it is, and <sighs> trying to upload those things. It's a- a chore. Yes, sir. Real chore. Anyway, thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm vomit enthusiast, Joseph Peters. <laughs> Be safe. I know you're not. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. <laughs> <laughs>